ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Brian McDonald behind the glass, and it's a Monday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Uh, Joe said I was talentless. Well, we know what happened to Joe. Uh, it is good to have Brian with us, though. It's good feng shui, I think, Blinkers. Yeah. We, we need three Killer Bees. We had two yep. Bees, and we had a non-Bee. Now we have another Bee with us. Brian's going to be with us for the foreseeable future, although he hasn't uh, changed the graphic on the Killer Bees. It still says at Joe George Radio. Unbelievable. Unbelievable that Joe's still getting a little bit of the Killer Bee rub despite no longer being with the Killer Bees. I, I, I could not agree more that we have now consistency of all three Bees in the hive instead of trying to fake it. And if there's <laughs> one kind of promotion that we know Joe loves, it's self-promotion. So there was never a doubt that he was going to leave no stone unturned about as long as he can, he is going to promote the bullpen and everything Joe George. Double Rod's asking, is, uh, is Joe gone? Joe's still with the station. He's just not with the Killer Bees anymore for... A variety of reasons. Uh, anyways, Micah Parsons, NBA All-Star Weekend, we'll get to a lot of this stuff. A lot of it was crap, <laughs> for lack of a better way to put it. A lot of it was crap. Uh, full squad workouts for the Houston Astros today. It's nice to see. I, like, I'm, I'm sitting here geeking out on uh, batter versus pitcher stuff. Like We're seeing Josh Hader face Alex Bregman in his golf fade swing. Uh, we're seeing Jeremy Pena line dri- hit a line drive to left off of Ryan Presley. Rake Myers took a middle reliever who has no chance to the, get to the big leagues over the wall in left field at West Palm Beach. Baseball season's here, Blinkers. I love it. I do too. I, I, you know what? You even got me on one uh, that I, I look normally consider myself as someone that knows the rules of baseball. You even tweeted me or tweeted today, and I was like, I did not know that on a balk call. Oh yeah, that it's not dead until the the that was amazing to me. So I am fired up for baseball as well. I'm like you, watching the videos, trying to keep up on everything Astros, and it's it's exciting. And I can't wait for, you know, the, the the spring training games to begin and then start looking at how the roster is going to shape up because, obviously, that's a lot to look forward to with a team that's that good. And let's not sweep it under the rug completely. I'm also looking forward to your game tonight and the game that you guys played on Saturday. U of H played their tails off, buried the, the Texas Longhorns. I'm sure you were respectful and did not do any horns down. <laughs> but what a good win for Calvin Sampson and that, that squad, uh, and what a big game coming up tonight. Yeah, that was a that was a lot of fun. You know, Houston doesn't like Texas. There's right. I don't think there's a university in Texas that likes Texas, and I think that's a compliment to Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Like if everybody hates you, that means you're doing something right. Uh, but that was a lot of fun on Saturday. They set it for Tita Center record, uh, and I expect they're going to do it again. Game got moved till eight, which means I'm, I'm doing the full show here. I am on remote. I'm at, at U of H baseball, uh, and I'll walk over to the for Tita Center as soon as the uh, the show is is done. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> the the Bach thing that happened with U of H baseball over the weekend. There were, Pitcher got called for a balk, didn't come set, delivered the pitch. Our dude hit a you know two-run homer over the wall in right center, and they're like, "Hey, you're supposed to be a dead ball." Nope, nope, a balk's not a dead ball. What was funny too is we, as I talked about it prior in the broadcast on another balk, I was like, "You know, a hitter can swing here, and if he hits a home run, it's best case scenario for the offense." Anyways, I don't think many people uh, care about that. Maybe some. Maybe I, some. I, I'm glad I learned something. It was uh, it's interesting. It's one of like the little unknown things in, in baseball. Uh, but Micah Parsons was talking over the weekend. Uh, he was talking on the Stephen A. Smith show, and he brought up certain things about what he would like 
the Cowboys to do. So did he lay out the blueprint of what the Houston Texans should do? Uh, on those things that he talked about, he wants to add a bigger linebacker. Okay, sounds great to me. Wants to get a nasty 330-pound interior defensive lineman. Okay, that sounds great to me. Bring back Tony Pollard. Okay, that sounds pretty good. I don't know if Pollard's the name that I want from the running back or if I even want a running back. But bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. If that's the Texans offseason, I'd be pretty pleased. Did he lay out the blueprint, Blankers, for the Texans offseason? I think that, you know, we always factor in and play, pay close attention to D'Amico. And if D'Amico was telling us uh, the truth in wanting to bolster the defensive line and, and, and do some things uh, to improve that defense, then I think two of the three knock themselves out right there and check off the list. And then from a running back perspective, we know that they've got to do something with the running back because Singletary's a free agent. But which, regardless of which way they turn, if, if that's what they choose to do, well, you know, you always you have all the assets of the draft. You still have money to spend, and that would be a pretty darn good start to improving this football team going forward. Yeah, maybe we can throw out some, like, realistic names that aren't necessarily, like, top of the market on all of these things because maybe you can add a bigger linebacker without spending top dollar. Uh, maybe you can get a nasty 330-pound interior dof- uh, defensive lineman that tries to hurt quarterbacks in the playoffs uh, in some other ways. Bring back uh, a Tony Pollard. Maybe there's a, another running back that's out there that exists that can fit along these lines. So what moves fit that for the Texans? Like, is re-signing Devin Singletary at expected market value, is that – Similar-ish to bringing back Tony Pollard or signing Tony Pollard? Um, no, I don't think Singletary equates to Tony Pollard. I think Singletary and Sweeteners could make for a better, more effective running back room. But, you know, I think that, I, I mean, no knock on Singletary, but Pollard's a step above of Singletary. And I think that, you know, it depends on where you're shopping and how much you're willing to spend in terms of how good of a running back you can get to be better than Singletary because there obviously are there guys out there and are you willing to spend the Saquon money uh, or are you willing to, to look at a, a, maybe a little bit older Derrick Henry? Uh, are you looking at you know different running backs that could possibly help you and how much are you willing to pay to get that kind of running back? We talked about it. I think you can get a running back in the fourth or fifth round that, that can do a, a lot of good for your squad and help your depth, but I, that front line guy is going to be interesting. Yeah, the um... – I agree with everything you said. Like, Tony Pollard's a better football player than Devin Singletary. I think the conversation when you're comparing the two is the the prices. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whenever you look at Tony Pollard and then the dollar value versus Devin Singletary and the dollar value, which of the two do you prefer? Uh, Frankly, I I don't think I want to be in the Tony Pollard business. Uh, So I I like your idea. Like, Let's let's re-sign Devin Singletary and try to get him back on a, a deal like he was on last year. You know, three and a half million dollars. I'm intrigued by some of the second, third tier free agents, and, and you probably can nitpick at me and say, "Well, Tony Pollard's amongst the second to third tier free agents." Like, if you want to go the veteran route, I think Derrick Henry's intriguing. I don't want him to be my three-down running back, but he intrigues me. Uh, Austin Eckler intrigues me from a completely different sense. Now, I'm not going above like $5 million, $6 million on Austin Eckler, but some of the stuff, some of the advanced numbers still like Eckler a lot, mm-hmm. especially catching the football. And if I can get Austin Eckler on a below-market-value deal, on a prove-it deal, a one-year deal, that's something that intrigues me. Uh, but above anything else, I want to draft a talented running back in the fourth-ish round. Uh, I want youth alongside Devin Singletary. I don't think they're going to move on from Davian Pierce. He's still a very young running back. Maybe he can kind of carve out a short yardage role for you. He certainly, I'm certainly not entering the season with him as my running back number one. Uh, but I, I, I lean more of the let's get running backs for cheap. And because Tony Pollard's young, I, I don't think he's going to be that cheap route. No, I agree with you. And I think that, you know what, 
Tony Pollard, the biggest question is, is going to be how healthy long term is he? Because he came off an injury, but he, you know, when he when the, he looked right with the Cowboys, he's very effective. But you're you're trying to figure out and juggle a lot of different things. It was interesting on the highway to hell today that I heard that there's a there's a means and a way that if they sign Mike Evans and we're encouraging that you that the Texans should get Mike Evans regardless of the price, that there's a way to get him and still get Josh Jacobs or. Saquon, and if you don't get him, you could mix get get into the mix on somebody else. And I'm going. And where else is the rest of your money coming from? Is yeah. there is there a certain <laughs> tree you can shake where you can get more cap space and money that we don't know about? Because it was absolutely ridiculous to me. And they weren't. And then they were like. Then they moved on and said. And oh, by the way, with Grenard, I don't think he gets 15. And both of them agreed that they that that a three year, 36 million dollar deal for Grenard will get it done. I'm like, what what what? Where, what are you, whatever you're on, are you passing that around? Because I just don't see the scenarios. <laughs> yeah, I don't see how you're signing Evans in a top two-tier running back and then having the money to spend on seven or eight other guys. That, to me, is not realistic. I don't, I don't think they did their homework there. No. <laughs> I don't think they did their homework. Uh, what if uh, the linebacker spot? Like, so we covered the running back spot. Mm-hmm. Micah Parsons perhaps laying out the blueprint. Do you like this blueprint uh, that Mark, uh, Micah Parsons laid out? 713-780-3776. What if your big free, uh, free agency splash? Because I mean, you're going to spend for in free agency. Mm-hmm. You're not. I don't think you're going to spend top dollar on multiple players. I'm not even sure you're going to spend top dollar on one player. But what if your high market buy is Patrick Queen? Would you be all right with that? Oh, I like Patrick Queen's game a lot. Uh, yeah, I think that you, your biggest thing is going to be upgrades. And if you could upgrade because the team is obviously upgraded and the team is playing at a different level, if you can upgrade from the guy that you're moving on from then absolutely I'd be interested in that because Patrick Queen is an athletic, strong linebacker that I have a lot of confidence in that I think makes this defense better, and I think D'Amico could do a lot of things with him. Yeah, see, I I was on board with that at, at first, and then I started doing a little bit of digging on it, and Patrick Queen got a lot better when they moved him out of middle linebacker, and they said that he's very similar to what Christian Harris brings to the table and that neither one's really a middle linebacker. They're both kind of outside linebackers. So I'm actually out on Patrick Queen because I think that he's too similar to Christian Harris, and I need somebody that's a little bit more uh, – that's more of a middle linebacker that's going to rack up 120, 130 tackles. And I know Queen's capable, but Queen's not really a middle linebacker based on the digging that I did and the research that I did. And because I really like where Christian Harris is at, I don't want to stunt his growth. So I'm actually out on Queen. I agree with the fact that I don't want to stunt Christian Harris's growth, but I think Queen is stronger. And I think that in terms of the hit game – uh, and and going in and kind of bringing the wood as opposed to just making tackles. I like his game. I I I I think there's a scenario where those guys could play alongside one another and be very effective. And I, like- I would just push back a little bit because what we what we've seen from the NFL today, you're not spending you know what more than thirty forty percent of your time in a base four three defense, and the idea that you need that actual like. You know, status quo middle linebacker that we think of the Brian Urlachers. I don't think that really applies to today's NFL where you're spending most of your time in nickel and playing for the pass anyway. Yeah, and the Texans spent like the second half of their season where nickel was their base. Like they played 95, 98 percent nickel in like the final eight games. I just want somebody who has a different skill set, and I think I think Brian's point's a really good one. I just want different skill set than what I have with Harris. Well, and I think the other thing that you got to think about is if you're thinking about D'Amico's ideal defense, he's looking for another Fred Werner, and those are not easy to find. But if you could find a guy that it's athletic that can cover, that can also clog up the middle and and you know and bring the wood. That, that'd be great. It's just in, even in free agency, you're either going to pay through the nose 
to get a guy like that. I don't think most of those guys are going to become available because a lot of, a lot of them are going to get franchise tagged. And, and, and I just don't know if that guy on free agency, out there in free agency, exists right now. Yeah. Uh, seven, and, and the ultimate thing here is, like, trust D'Amico. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. if D'Amico Ryan's is saying that Patrick Especially Queen, at linebacker. Exactly. Like, if Patrick – if it, I, I personally would – like, I'm, I'm out on Patrick Queen, but if D'Amico Ryan's, like, we're signing Patrick Queen on this deal and this is the terms and we're going to play him alongside Christian Harris, I'm going to be like, okay. Have I, you seen I, Patrick I you, Queen's uh, projected uh, cap – that he, the, his projected market value. The least the, the list I'm looking at right now has Patrick Queen projected at uh, 92 million over five years, 18.5 per hey, year. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a hefty me. tag if you if you want to make that uh, yeah. purchase in free agency. What I do like about Patrick Queen though is that he was trying to kill C.J. Stroud in the playoff game, and C.J. Stroud told Patrick Queen, "You're trying to kill me," and Patrick Queen said, "Yes, I like that for my football players trying to kill the opposing quarterback." And how about the uh, defensive line? The, the the final one of the blue print of Micah Parsons, nasty 330-pound interior defensive lineman. I'm a huge fan of 300-pound men that are trying to kill the opposing quarterback. couple of names. Like you can get this through the draft, right? Like yep. You look at the two Texas kids, Byron Murphy. I've read some stuff on Tavondre Sweat where he might not be a scheme fit. Like He's a little better for a 3-4 maybe uh, based on the stuff that I'm reading. I-, I love the name Byron Murphy. The problem is you're going to have to draft him at 23 if he's still there. If he's there. If he's there. And the kid from Illinois is an interior lineman that a lot of people are high on. There's guys in the draft that I think that you can you, you can look at that could fit that bill. It's just that it became very clear and obvious to us that after D'Amico made that that co- that comment about improving the defensive line, that Rankins probably isn't in their plans. And I thought Rankins was a good fit here. But if he's not the fit, then whoever you draft better be ready to plug and play and play it at a very high level because Rankins took that 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 interior defensive line along with Collins to to a place that it hasn't been in three or four years. Yep, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. What do you think of the blueprint that Micah Parsons has laid out? Nasty, three hundred and thirty pound dude, running back, add a bigger linebacker. Do you like that? Who are the names that you like that fit the mold? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Busy show. HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN ninety seven five. We're on the YouTube. Just search ESPN Houston on YouTube. You can find us there. Joel's at Pac Man Joel on Twitter. Brian's at at sacked by BMAC, I'm at Jeremy Branham. Also, when we return, which of these under-the-radar free agents excite you? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, uh, a word for Allstate Windows and Siding. Look, it's time to give your house a facelift by getting some new windows. And I'm telling you, because I'm speaking from experience, I just did it. I could not be happier with the windows that I got from Allstate Windows and Siding. And they do a phenomenal job. And the first thing you're going to notice is it is a facelift. It makes your entire house look more modern, look sleek, looks absolutely fantastic. It changes the curb appeal in a positive way. But then when you start getting down to the brass tacks of all of this and you talk to Mary and Mike and the family that runs the business that have been in business for 50 years supporting ESPN 97.5, sports teams in Houston, but more, more so than anything else, supporting Houstonians is they know what they're doing and they're going to tell you the right way to go. And these windows are energy saving. They're going to save you up to 40% on your energy bills. They're going to keep the, the, the cool weather in in the summer and the warm the warm uh, heat in in the winter. And they're going to protect you from hurricanes. They are clear. They are unbelievably good looking. And you're going to want to take advantage of all the specials that they got going on right now. 30% off on all windows. 24 months interest free. Discounts for senior citizens and first responders and military. They know what they're doing and they want to do it for you because they love the people of Houston. Give them a call right now. 832-204-1936 or get online, allstatewindowsandsiding.com. Call them now, 
204-1936. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Which of these under-the-radar free agents do you like for the Texans? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. He's Blank on Branham. Uh, Texans Cap put this list together, uh, Cap and Trade. He, you know him on Twitter, Texans Cap. He's awesome, fantastic work. Uh, knows everything you need to know about the salary cap, which is great for laymen like me who have no idea how to work anything to do with numbers. So I appreciate the work he does. It makes it simple for us. Um, before we look at uh, some of the names that he has mentioned, and we're not going to go like offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Like, we don't know most of these names. We know them, but we're just not familiar with their game. Before we look at that mm-hmm. – Chandler Jones apologized. Mm. You know, he went off the uh, – he went Charlie Sheen on us. He went full Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Uh, but he's apologized. He said that, you know, he's gotten help. I think he said he's gotten help. Do you dare? Would you Would you dare? No, sir. I would not. And I, I just think that that's too volatile. The potential of volatility with that situation and it rearing its head again is too dangerous for me no matter what he could bring to you on the football field. And I know that they want to turn the page on the old – Robert McNair approach of you never give a guy a second chance, and if he's got a track record, he's not going to play here. But at the same time, this this team's on the up and up. This team's got a lot of young, impressionable players that have been playing good football, and the last thing you need is someone in the locker room to really turn that thing on its ear. And, and I don't want to take that chance because it's been multiple locations. There's been a lot of different, you know, a lot, whole lot of water to try and say is under the bridge. And that might be for some team that, you know, has the, the the veterans in that locker room and a whole lot of people that they feel like can get that situation under control if it would go the wrong way. I'm just I'm just not feeling it. I don't think this is the right situation to try something like that. What's the worst thing that he did? Well, there's there's guns, there's threats, there's pushing back really hard publicly with tweets and other things against the organization. There's calling them liars. There's a whole lot more than that. And I, I could you know Google all of it, but I know that. He threatened to harm himself. Yeah. Then there was the whole rumor of the fact that whether he was in hospital or not, and and there's just there's a whole lot there. I mean, I think he went to some through some mental health stuff. There, there's no doubt. I, Weapons I don't know. too, I think. Yeah, was it illegal though? I don't know. I don't know. That's what the thing is like if they're legal, then like why should we care? I think there was also the weapons at the airport. Okay, well, that's a problem. <laughs> the I don't know the worst that he did like. I think most of this harm was on him on himself, unless there's like a domestic violence charge that I'm unaware of. Like I think most of this was just erratic behavior, and I know that he had the police called twice. I know that he threatened harm on himself. I know he was acting really, really, really weird. I don't unless there's some other like where he was harming other people. I don't hate a minimum. One year incentive laden contract, and whenever he signs it, he is on a zero tolerance policy. He pops off on Twitter, he's cut. Uh, he does something that you don't like, he's cut, and you let him know that at the very, very beginning. Uh, I would be somewhat interested in that. He still, he, I mean, he was. We don't know what he would have been last year. He didn't play uh, two years ago. Four and a half sacks. It seemed like he started to fall off, and he would be thirty-four years old. I'm talking league minimum here, but he's not that far removed from a double-digit sack season. He's been a two-time All-Pro, not Pro Bowler, All-Pro 
And he's got championship pedigree, you mm-hmm. know, because he's brothers with uh, John Jones. And I think that that translates. It's in his genes. Being a champion is in his genes. All right, moving on. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. I mean, look, ESPN. the first thing that you say about him, though, is I'm not trying to take – this is you, – you and I have had these discussions about other players in the past and one that actually played basketball here in Houston where it's not about the ability on the field. There's no doubt about it. Like, he has one of the best three-year spans uh, as a defensive pass rusher uh, in recent history, but but there's just too much baggage to want to bring into that locker room in Houston, I think. Right, which is why if you do anything that resembles mm-hmm. anything that I'm worried about, you're cut. The moment you show any sign of that baggage, he's cut. And, and if you think that he's that's going to happen, then you don't make that call. Like, if, if you think that it's 10% possible that that shows up again, then, then you don't bring right. him in. You have to be convinced that what he went through was an anomaly, it was not himself, blah, 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 blah. So, like, those are the conditions. Like, you better be super convinced, and then secondly, the very first time he shows a hint of it, see ya. You're gone. Yeah, see, that's why I'm already there that there's at least a 10% chance in my mind that it could happen, so therefore I'm not willing to take the risk. I, I Do I think that there are teams that are going to look at him? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll be looked at, too. And, yeah, I mean, it's fair to have that thought because, I mean, he was acting nuts. All right, here are the under-the-radar free agents. We'll go through them position by position. Uh, let me know if you'd be interested in what level of interest you would have. DeAndre Swift, running back position. I don't think he's bad. I, I think that, you know, I think in Detroit, maybe he was misused a little bit and that there just wasn't that fit. I think in Philadelphia, he was good. The price tag, obviously, you know, I always say matters the most to me. But I think DeAndre Swift could be a fit in this in this offense. He's still super young. Like yep. it's crazy. Like he's going to be twenty five years old next year. I know running backs their their lifespan isn't very long, uh, very long. But you're not going to sign a running back on a four year deal. Like even if it's a three year deal, you're looking at the age twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Uh, so like that that benefits him. I don't love that Detroit was super eager to get rid of him. Like they were not only not only were they like, super eager to get rid of him. But they also brought in two completely new running backs. Like, they right. brought in David Montgomery, and then they traded up for Jameer Gibbs after they moved on from Swift. So it's like they were still eager to get running back, and they moved on from Swift. I don't like what that tells me. Uh, he had a really good – I mean, 1,000 yards isn't what it used to be. I don't know if a 1,000-yard season is really good. Uh, but he had a better year than I think most people would you know think. Um, I would be okay with Swift on a, on a deal that doesn't like break the bank. It, it would be it wouldn't move my needle a whole lot, you know, like maybe like a five or a six. Mm-hmm. But I think you can do far worse. Uh, Zach Moss, who is with Indy, backing up Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss has got some talent. Zach Moss again, I think, could be a fit here because I think he's got plenty left in the tank. I think when Jonathan Taylor was down, he, he had some good games, and, and I would be intrigued. I would be in, again. The price matters to me, but I don't think he would cost that much. I would be intrigued by him. Yeah, he's something. He's somebody that intrigues me too because of the what the what I expect the contract to look like. Like I think you can get him on a pretty similar deal that what you got Singletary on last year. He almost ran for a thousand yards and was the second running back there. I know he started a lot of games, started eight games because of Jonathan Taylor. And if you bring back Singletary, Singletary and Moss used to play together in yeah. Buffalo. So like, not that they're you know the chemistry of the running backs means a whole lot, uh, but you'd be kind of running it back with that Buffalo running back tandem of the past. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I think that there's a lot of potential there, and maybe you save some money, and maybe you can allocate that money somewhere else. So I'd be fine with that. That's where I'm at with the value. Here's a name that you know extremely well. Yeah, I know where you're going. A.J. Dillon. I don't think it's a fit at all. I think because I think you have Pierce, and Pierce is, is supposed to, if anything, he's if he's going to play, he's going to be your battering ram. That's basically A.J. Dillon to me. A.J. Dillon, 
you know, you know, Quadzilla. He's got massive legs. He's Sounds a very, like me. he's a yeah, exactly. I, I always, it's tough how many times I get mixed up between the two of you and your your <laughs> legs. Um, I, he's just, I've seen what he can do. He he's going to get you tough yards. He's going to get you yards after contact. In this offensive system, I don't think he is a fit at all, and he's a complimentary back. Yes, if you want to go thunder and lightning, you bring Singletary back and you bring A.J. Dillon, and yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued a little bit by that, but I just I think he's looking to get more money, and I don't know that the Texans should, should spend it on a guy like that. He just I'm hasn't looked good in two years in Green Bay. Like yeah, that, that first year in Green Bay, he looked pretty good, but he, the last couple of years he's looked like a guy where the offensive line of the scheme has to make the hole for him. He's not a guy that's going to hit the cutback lane or find the hole on his own, accelerate through, and make something where his teammates didn't have something already set up for him. It just feels like you're signing, you know, just a guy off the street. It, it doesn't feel like he really adds anything extra to your to your running game. I'd be more intrigued with him if he um, if Pierce wasn't around, Blankers, like you said. Yep, yep. And, and I think that two years ago, you know, obviously you know that I know I've watched every game. Two years ago, there was a lot left in the tank, and there were some really big. Uh, and when Aaron Jones went down, slow. Aaron yeah. Jones went down. He was fully capable of carrying the, the whole load and getting getting yards. Last year, different story, and that's sad because he knew his contract year was coming up, and he was playing for it, and he looked bad. Antonio Gibson. I'd be I like that a lot. Yeah, I'd be very intrigued by Antonio Gibson. I think Antonio has Antonio Gibson has plenty of tread still left on the tires, and I think that offensively it was Slowick and with a good quarterback, I think he could be used very well. Yes, I'm intrigued. I mean, he was a former wide receiver in college. I mean, this guy is a guy with receiving skills. In his first two years in the league where he was the every down, well, not every down back, but the main back, he was over 1,000 yards. Uh, In one year, I believe he had uh, 10-plus touchdowns. So, look, Washington obviously went a different direction with Brian Robinson, but I think Gibson, as Joel said, still has plenty left on the the tread of the tires because he hasn't been or wasn't the every down back this last season, and he's he's multifaceted with his ability to, to also work in the receiving game. So, I think he'd be a great under the radar signing. I'm intrigued by his skill set. Like there, there's, I can go both ways here. I'm very intrigued by the skill set. And you're right, was a receiver at, at Memphis. Like mm-hmm. I've seen him firsthand. I think he's extremely, extremely talented. His first two years were the best two years. He's really good at catching the football. So it's like if he's your backup running back, it gives you like a different skill set than like I don't think Singletary's great at catching the ball out of the backfield. I think he's okay, but. Gibson would be really good at catching the football out of the backfield. Yep. The thing that I don't like is, like, he had those two really good years in his first and second year in the NFL, and then his last two years he's kind of disappeared behind who? Like, who's he getting outplayed by? Like, you mentioned Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson was, what, a second, third-round draft pick? Well, part yeah. of that, and, and this is uh, speaking to someone who had Antonio Gibson at times in fantasy, he had a lot of fumbling issues. So that's something that the coaching staff would have to look at the film for and see if they think they could fix those issues. But Because that's a lot of what took Antonio Gibson off the field. He couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't hang on to the ball. But Brian Robinson, out on Gibson. Brian Robinson came back from being shot. He was yeah. shot. He was. He was out of the lineup. Uh, they they really kind of nursed him back slowly. And, and Gibson didn't just seize the opportunity because when Robinson was fully healthy, he got it back. Yeah, he's, he's a third Gibson, round draft. Gibson's pick. a backup. Gibson's a back. If you do make this signing, he's a backup. He's not someone you could sign, save money on, and make him your starter. He would have to be a complimentary piece to either Singletary or somebody that you draft or you know or in free agency. Let me give you five receivers, and you pick your favorite one. Josh Reynolds, K.J. Osborne, D.J. Chark, Darnell Mooney, Curtis Samuel. Mm, Curtis Samuel? 
That's mine. Like, yeah. it, like if I'm looking at a commander that's a free agent that yep. I want to sign, and you're giving me the option of Samuel and Gibson, yep. sign me up for Curtis Samuel. Be back. Which one of those receivers do you like the most? Yeah, I like I like Samuel as well. I mean, he's he's shown uh, he was pretty good in the slot for Washington last year, and has had a couple other good seasons uh, previously in Carolina as well. Uh, the other name that kind of stands out to me, he's definitely not a number one, number two, maybe not even number three, but DJ Chark has shown some down the field capability. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind. Look, if you already have Tank. You already have Nico. You're not relying on DJ Chark to be the guy. I like him as a complimentary piece to be able to be the down the field threat and let Tank and and Nico Collins do some other things other than just take the nine route down the field. Yeah, to me, I, I thought about Chark for a quick second. I was like, no, I've seen enough to think that I I don't think they need what he's got. They've already gotten enough. And I I really believe that Samuel is a guy that anybody coming from Washington. I think you, you. I think they've been underutilized because of the fact that they've had issues at quarterback and offense. I, I'd like it. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Which of those under the radar free agents do you have your eye on? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. A full squad has reported for the Astros today. Astros will win the American League West again. Am I wearing my Homer hat? Am I crazy? Or is that a lock? Is that a guarantee? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, Houston. You're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Uh, Key from L.A., 713-780-ESPN. He's blank. I'm Branham. Uh, Astros, American League West winners. Homer hat, am I wearing or am I being sensical? Am I making sense? I would argue that I'm always doing the last. Uh, Key from L.A. says, now we can talk some baseball. The Astros, what does he mean by that? Does he mean because football season's over? No, remember, he always busts us for talking baseball when we shouldn't. But but now but why is he saying now we? Because now football's it? over. Yeah, so that's we're on the same page there. Yeah. I think that's what he's referring to. Now that football season over, we can talk some baseball. Uh, he says the Astros win the West if the Rangers fall flat. Call me crazy, Blankers, but I think that the Astros are going to run away with the American League West. Ooh, boy. Like I call like me what crazy. you're thinking, but call me run crazy. away? Yeah, I do. Crazy. I think they're going to run away with the American League West. You, you look at last season, a lot went wrong for the Houston Astros. Like, you know, a lot of people will point to Dusty Baker, blah, 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 blah. I don't think that the manager influences tons of games and wins and losses. Uh, I think the best managers over the worst managers were looking at a delta of like 10 at the max. I'm not even sure it's up to 10. I think we overstate that a little bit. But you look at the things that that went wrong, and I'll point to a a Dusty criticism immediately. I I don't think they were playing the right catcher most of the year. Like, we can have the argument of the pitching staff and the leadership and the mound visits, uh, but Yiner D can rake like he should there's no reason that Maldonado should have had the plate appearances that he did and Yiner didn't uh Jose Abreu for the first half of the year was as much a power hitter as I was you know I could have hit zero home runs until the summer uh like Abreu did and you know maybe I'm not I'm not expecting Abreu to go nuts I'm just expecting Abreu to be better than last year I'm not expecting it to be good just better than last year I'm totally with you I mean look as much as when it was announced he had a back injury that he was dealing with all year and it, and the timing of it, I was like, yeah, right. Okay, now you're just trying to cover up the fact that it's basically been a lost season, to, especially with the amount of money and the amount of years you put on that contract to get him. And then when he came back, he looked like a different hitter, and he looked like he had a better eye, he had more power, he had he was effective, he had some big hits down the stretch. And you're like, okay, well, maybe there is some legitimacy to that. So I expect a better year from Abreu no matter what. 
Jose Altuve missed 72 games. Mm-hmm. Like He almost missed half of the year, and he's pretty important to the Houston Astros, who still won the division last year, n- nonetheless. Uh, Jeremy Pena, people are critical of Pena. Uh, I, you, can, you can point to some things that Pena did better than he did a year ago, and he's a, he's a good big league shortstop. Like, does he take another step up? I think he'll be better offensively than he was a year ago. Uh, Bregman, I think, is ultimately going to be Bregman. Uh, your outfield, people, people feel like Jake Myers playing every day in center field's a downgrade. It really was your outfield last year, though. Like, your outfield last year never had Brantley. Yeah. Like, you never had Brantley. Like, your outfield was a a combination of either Jake Myers was playing out there or Corey Jolks was playing out there. So it's really the same configuration that you have. And then when you look at it from a pitching perspective, like, I think the bullpen ultimately is going to be a wash. I think that you upgraded over Neris, although Neris had a really good year. Mm -hmm. And I think that you downgraded outside of, you know, your top four because Montero was still around last year. But how important is that, you know, because those are your low-leverage guys. So I think ultimately that's a wash. From a starting rotation point of view, like you didn't have Verlander for the first half of the year. Maybe you won't again either. Fromberg disappeared in the second half. Christian Javier disappeared in the second half. Hunter Brown disappeared in the second half. Uh, J.P. France kind of started hot. I wouldn't say he fizzled, but he kind of came back down to earth a little bit. You didn't have Jose Arquiti. Luis Garcia was hurt. Lance McCullough was hurt. And you still won the division. So like I think, the reg- I think a lot in the regular season went against the Astros last year, where if you don't have half of that, I feel like you're going to win this division by like six or seven games. Well, let's be honest. For me, it starts with just all the injuries. The fact that the injuries to two of your best players and maybe your two best hitters. Yeah, Jordan was hurt a lot and he missed time. Altuve, as you mentioned, missed time. And then the whole miss on Brantley's contract and him being healthy kind of set you back as well. And so that's a huge bonus for you that you're coming in healthy. There's no World Baseball Classic. You know, the the, the odds are, and it's lining up like this is going to be a, a significantly more healthy baseball team starting the season. That in itself should tell you that you should feel good about this team. Now, the thing that kind of concerns me about, and I love where your head's at, and I hope you're absolutely right that this team runs away with and wins another division, is the fact that I like the fact that from the Mariners' perspective, if you're, if you're pro-Astros, the majority of their pitching staff is either unsigned or dinged up to where you're not going to have DeGrom till maybe midseason. Scherzer may be the same. So Montgomery's not there yet, and we don't know where he's going to go. So they've got a lot of holes to fill on their pitching staff. So that in itself tells me, look, offense to offense, yes, their offense was very good last year, but I like where the Astros are going to be if they're healthy to put their offense against the, the Rangers and then also know this. I think they have an advantages with the starting pitching. The, the, the team that I think is still going to be someone to keep an eye on is still the Mariners. The Mariners keep trying to improve. The Mariners keep chasing that that title. The Mariners have a good core to build around. So I, I think that the Mariners are going to be in the mix. That's why I think between the Rangers and the Mariners and the A's are obviously a throwaway, that I think there's enough in this division. I don't worry about the Angels either. But those with those three teams at the top, I think – Either the Rangers or the Mariners, and I'm leaning more Mariners, especially early on, are going to are going to push the Astros. See, I see. I, see, I don't. I don't really include the Mariners in there. I feel like the Mariners are more interested in saving money than they are of like actually trying to win. Um, I, I agree that I eliminate the Angels and the A's right off the yeah. bat, and I do like Seattle's pitching staff. I think Seattle's pitching staff is going to give them a winning record and probably even like a playoff spot. I just don't necessarily think that they're going to win like 90 games. Like Castillo, Gilbert, Kirby, Bryce Miller is going to win win you some baseball Good games. Jump, yeah, but I don't like their. I don't like their offense, though. Outside of Julio Rodriguez, they go Crawford, Polanco, Garver, Raleigh, France, Rayleigh, Hanniger, Rojas. Who, like, whoa. 
You know, that, that does not terrify me at all. Uh, I think the Rangers are the second best team in, in the division, but like what you like, their offense is just so good. Yep. Like their offense is going to carry them to, you know, 85 wins by themselves uh, because they're, they're loaded offensively and there's not, a, there's not an easy out in that lineup. And they have some youngsters that are knocking on the door that are ready to take off. But their pitching staff, like, okay, you're going to get DeGrom, DeGrom back, what, final month and a half of the year? What's he going to bring to you? Scherzer has fallen off. I'm not going to say he's fallen off the cliff, but he's fallen off a bit. What's he going to look like after a back injury? Their rotation entering open opening day, Nathan Eovaldi, who I do like, yep. uh, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, Corey, Cody Bradford. How does that, does that scare Doesn't you? Put fear in my heart. That's awful. Nope. Nope. That's a bad rotation. You're going to have to score runs and be the same kind of offense that you were a year ago to have the same kind of results or and even hang in there because of where you at with your with your starting pitching. And their bullpen wasn't great last I year either. I think it got worse. Yeah, I think it got worse. Like you lost a Roldis, and like we make fun of a Roldis because you know the Astros are his daddy, mm-hmm. but he had a good year. He had a good year, and they replaced him with David Robertson, who was solid, uh, old but solid. But after like they go they go Jose Leclerc, who had a good postseason, but he's not really a good reliever. David Robertson, Josh Spores, Kirby Yates, Brock Burke, who Jonathan Hernandez, who Grant Anderson, who Jake Latz, who Yuri Rodriguez. I, their pitching staff's awful. Yeah, the, Leclerc and Spores were were their guys, and that wasn't good enough. Uh, and, and they they tried Will Smith early, and then they traded for Chapman. But overall, their their bullpen, even when we were talking about it in the playoffs, we're like, if the Astros could just get to the Rangers bullpen, they're going to be in good shape because you don't trust that bullpen. So yeah, I don't. I, I think there's plenty of holes still with the Rangers that I and because of the setbacks they have with their pitching staff, that their offense has to. I don't want to say overachieve. But similarly achieved to what they did a year ago to be to, to be out in front or close to up 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 to the top part of this division. Yeah. I mean the Asmin used to say that I wore orange goggles, so maybe I'm wearing the orange goggles here. I just think the Astros run away with this. Double Rod says, Will Yiner be better with more playing time or will he be more normal? Will who? Yiner Diaz. Oh look, I think I think Yiner Diaz. I, I think there's still big things to come for Yiner Diaz. I think consistently, look, he knows what the opportunity is for him. I know that he's got a lot on his plate with the pitching staff on the on the defensive side of it, but I, I just believe that, that he can rake. I believe he can hit. I, he's got great pop. I, I believe this is going to be a really, really good year for Yiner. See, I don't understand the whole Dusty Baker made Yiner a better hitter type of thing by either. playing him less. Because what what have we learned about offensive players that they thrive on repetition? And it's not yeah. like Dusty was, like, cherry-picking certain matchups for Yiner that he knew he would have success with. It was depending on who was available. Because mm-hmm. there was a stretch when Jordan was out where Yiner was playing every single day. So, like, I think that Yiner's offense is going to be as good as it was last year. I think I think his triple slash stuff, like his average on-base slugging, I think that's going to be pretty comparable to what he did last year. His volume's going to go up. Like, he's going to have more homers because he's going to play mm-hmm. more. He's going to have more RBIs he's going to play more. I, w- I do think, though – that whenever, like we've heard a lot about Yiner's defense, and he's, he's got a hose, like he's got a cannon. There's there's no doubt about that. I think some of the things that managers and coaches and people that talk about Yiner's defensive liabilities, now that we're going to have a chance to see him more often, I think that they will show up more often. I, I think there's a good chance. I, I think, but and to your point on repetition, look, I think by the time that they started trying to use him in the playoffs. You know, Dusty had diminished his time so much that his timing and everything didn't seem to be right. I thought it was an unfair situation for him to be in and be judged for. But I think that you're right. I think that from a consistency standpoint, if he's just in the lineup every day or the majority of the days, I think that if he just has the numbers he had last year, that'd be great. I think they're going to be better. 
because he's because he's going to play more often. And, and I think that you're getting way better than what the production you had from Maldi, no matter what. So that's a huge win for this team offensively. And so I'm really good with that. I think the Astros run away with the division. Am I nuts? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Also, which Astros have the most to prove this year? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, a word from a good friend, Doc Linville. Doc Linville changing guys' lives on a daily basis. He does a ton of stuff for the ladies, too. He's got spa treatments and Botox and plastic surgery and a bunch of stuff that he's great at. But for the guys that listen to this show consistently, it's a game changer because I went through the process, and that's what I'm here to tell you about. It's the neograft. Neografting is actually taking hair from part, parts of your head. You're never going to lose it. Genetically, Doc explained it to me. You never lose the hair on the sides and the back of your head, no matter how bald you go, at your hairline in front like I was, or up on top and back. Therefore, he takes some of it, he repurposes it, and you reap the benefits of having more coverage, a better look, and more self-confidence, and it all goes in the same package where you feel better about your appearance. It's phenomenal. And as listeners to ESPN 97.5 right now, you get a free consultation with Doc and his staff. It normally costs 150 bucks For you, for listening to us, you get it for free. Ask questions. Get answers. See if it might be right for you, too. The one game changer for me when I had my consult was the fact that 95 to 99% of these follicles that are moved are going to stay and grow and be with you for the long haul. That's a game changer. I saw the results instantly. I saw even better results when the hair thickened and got stronger. And the confidence in knowing that it's not going anywhere made the whole process even better. Check them out today. Go to 975hair.com. Sign up for an appointment. Go in and ask questions, get answers, and realize there's nothing coming out of your pocket. No signing on the dotted line. Just you getting answers to the questions to see if it might be a difference maker for your, you too. If it is, you are going to be happy with it because, boy, am I ecstatic with mine. Check them out today. Go to 975hair.com. Informed opinions are oftentimes presented here. You're locked in with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Joel Blank and Jeremy Brannan. He's Blankers. I am Brannan. We'll get into the which Astro has the most approved in spring training in a moment. 713-780-ESPN. A couple of texters here saying that hot take Rangers missed the playoffs based on Bruce Bochy's history. Look what he did with San Francisco World Series, then missed it, I think, each year after the three that he won. Um, in San Francisco? Yeah, he, they won it three he, years, he did but the, they won he, it in an odd-even odd, thing, right? Yeah, yeah every other it, year. They missed it, they won it, they missed it, they won yeah, it. Yeah, I think it. that's right, yep. The I wouldn't – if the Rangers missed the playoffs, not because of Bruce Bochy. No. I think the world of Bruce Bochy. I think he's a heck of a baseball manager. Uh, it would be because their pitching sucks. Look what he did the year before he got there, and then look what he did just being in the clubhouse. Granted, they spent a boatload of money too, but there's a guy that everybody in the clubhouse in baseball respects. Whether you're a veteran, a young guy, you know, a guy that's been to a couple places before, when you walk in, there's no doubt who's in control of that clubhouse, and there's no way you doubt his baseball knowledge or the way he manages a game. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of Bochy. Uh, about the only thing that I like there in Arlington. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Which Astro has the most to prove in spring training, Blankers? I mean, me right off the cuff, you know how I feel. I mean, the crosshairs for me are solely on the center field position, and that means Jake Myers. I'm not a believer in Jake Myers being the kind of guy that he was when he first came up. I think Jake has a lot to prove to be the, the, the full-time center fielder for me. 
Um, we've talked about and discussed it throughout the years, and now the fact that he is front and center as your starting center fielder, I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching really, really closely because I obviously you don't need – it would be nice to have, but center fielders aren't notoriously known as big-time hitters. And, and it, it, Chaz played multiple outfield positions. Chaz had a hell of a year. I would just – I would love to see Jacob old before the injuries – that would be fantastic because I know you and I go back and forth, but I don't think he sucks defensively. I think he's an above-average defensive player. But now that I know that he's going to be the everyday center fielder for the most part, now I just I just need to see consistency uh, both at the plate where it starts offensively. I don't need to see the pop. Yeah. Just get on base, use your wheels, show that you can get on base consistently, and then play good defense. I don't think we differ very much on Jake. I think we, we split hairs. Like, mm-hmm. how good a defensive player is he? You know, you think he's good. I think he's borderline great. Uh, offensively, I feel like we kind of are on the same page where he's at. It's more about, like, how optimistic we are right. that, that he could be good. But I think we're pretty similar uh, to where we're at on Jake. Do you think he swings big a lot? Because I know he's had trouble with I think the... he swings a little long, yeah. Yeah, I, I do too. Because I think that, you know, again... There's this non-prototypical dream scenario organizations have now where your center fielder has pop and, 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 and you know, can hit the power alleys and do all these things. And not that I'm saying go back to, like, the, the slap-hitting, you know, fleet-of-foot center fielders of the past, but I think that you could tighten up that swing a little bit, take some balls the opposite way, especially the, the, the breaking pitches he seems to struggle with, and have more success on this team. See, I, I'm uh, I'm probably more optimistic about Jake than you are, mm-hmm. but there's a very real possibility that Jake Myers is a platoon outfielder where, yep. where he can start every day against lefties, but his bat's just not good enough to start against righties. You look at his career splits, his OPS against lefties, 760. Uh, you get a 760 OPS, and last year yep. it was through the roof. It was even higher. It was like, I think it might have been like flirting with 1,000. Uh, you get a 760 OPS with his defense, okay, that guy can start against lefties. But then you look at a 639 OPS against righties, eh, maybe he doesn't have the bat. Now, Jeremy, if you sign me up for that, I'm in. I don't. I just don't like him playing every day. I just have right. real apprehension. Well, look, I, I was. I wanted an outfielder for this very reason. I wanted a left-handed bat in the outfield that could hit righties, so Jake Myers could start against lefties and be your backup against righties. So, like, I. I that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think we're very far off yeah, when it comes I agree to Myers. Yep. I do think that there's some potential there, and like. Okay, let's give him until the All-Star break to see if he's capable of doing it. And if he's not capable of doing it, then you go trade for a you know a veteran left-hand outfielding bat that can play left field, and then you move Chaz to centers. And, and those bats are attainable at the deadline. Like, you can get that. Yeah. Like, you can get an expiring bat at the deadline. Uh, so maybe that's where the Astros are, are thinking. Uh, Jake Myers did hit a home run today with the BVP Off against of... uh, Mizelle Tamares. Mm, who? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Mm. <laughs> that's what I tweeted out. I go, I go, Rake Myers. Also, who is Mazel Tamares? Um, that's where mine is too, though. Blankers like MLB.com. They they listed a player for every team that they had the most approved in spring training. McTaggart okay. listed Fromber. Whatever Fromber Valdez does in spring training does not matter. Nope. Fromber Valdez is one hundred percent going to be uh, graded on what he does in the regular season. To me, he has nothing to prove in spring training. No, nothing to prove at all in spring training, but a lot to prove on the field because he wants a big contract. And I think that just looking at him first glance when he showed up to camp, he, he looked like he had been he, – he's tight. He's not – you know, he got rid of the the, 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 the hair. He, he tightened up the physique. He looks like a guy that's really focused and dialed into knowing that he's got, you know, this, this window of opportunity in front of him uh, to basically prove that he's worthy of big-time money with that – comes success and you've got to win games 
He wants to be in that Cy Young conversation again for more than just half the season. And I believe he's going to be hyper-focused. And we know his stuff translates. It's just a matter of keeping it kind of the whole well-oiled machine between the ears and everything else that goes with it. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really good when the regular season yeah. starts. And that's all that matters. Like, he could yep. he could blow up in spring training and have an ERA of 10. But if you finish second in the Cy Young voting, it's great. Uh, he could, It could be flipped. If he dominates and doesn't allow a single base hit in spring training, but he has a 450 ERA in the bigs, he's going to be graded on the regular season. Whereas Jake Myers, I think the perception is, if Jake Myers hits 210 in spring training and Mauricio Dubon's hitting 325, everybody's going to be yelling that Mauricio Dubon should be your starting yes, starter. Uh, so like that's that's where I'm going, Jake Myers, as well, is because the perception of the city, no one cares what these regulars do, but if it's somebody that you really don't want to be starting or you have questions that should be starting and he's getting outperformed in spring training, that's where that comes into play. Brian, you have one? Yeah, it's someone else that would have I think a lot of uh, Astros fans asking questions right now in spring going into spring training because when you look at this player's first second half splits it was pretty dramatic but everyone still has the bad taste of the second half left in their mouth and that's Rafael Montero when you look at his splits first half mm-hmm. second half first half is ERA six and a half uh, go to the second half is 310 if you tell me we can get 310 ERA Rafael Montero then the questions and concerns about that middle of the bullpen to get to Abreu Presley Josh Hader suddenly go away, and now you're looking at a, a not only a great seven eight nine, you're giving me a great six seven eight nine, and that suddenly that changes the game not only for the bullpen but for your starters as well. So if Montero comes out and answers those questions, shows, shows us the second half wasn't a fluke and looks good in the spring training, I think the Astros fans will have a lot of confidence in this bullpen. They're not going to forget the money, season. no matter what happens. They're not going to forget the money because even at three ten, he's going to be sure. overpaid. But you're right for this team for this year, he'd be the ideal sixth inning pitcher that everybody's wondering who that's going to be that if you could wrap that up by saying he's going to have a hover around a three ERA and and be that kind of middle of the the bullpen guy I'd be fine with it yeah that's um you're right you're not going to forget the money but it's a sunk cost you know like you're already mm-hmm. paying you can't it. change so it now. Y- yeah like it's it's what is done is done right but that's why it's the easiest thing for it it's the easiest fruit to pick up that everybody's sure. going to be picking well, at it no see, matter I what would, he does i would nitpick and say that or do are we putting montero in the category where his spring matters I think it matters a little bit. If he goes I, I, out and yeah. gets roughed up, people are going to instantly think back to that first half of uh, of 2023. Well, but he's yeah. got to get he's got to prove he's got to get outs cuz no matter what when you kind of decipher through the quotes and see how the bullpen is, you know he's going to be on the roster cuz they're paying him a boatload of money. But in terms of earning a spot, I still think he's got to be effective and show that his stuff translates. He might be working on a pitch to where, you know, he might get hit a few times. But they've got to know that this guy is going to ha- have better stuff. Let's just say second-half stuff from a year ago. Mm-hmm. Especially, since, especially since he got the contract off of really one good season in his no career. No doubt about so, it. So, I mean, it's, it's season, not like no. someone like Fromber who has a long enough track record where spring training results doesn't matter. He had one good season, got the massive contract. I mean, we got to see if, you know, is he first half or second half from last year? San Antonio Tim says, um, Jake, uh, he says Christian Javier. See, I was thinking about that. To Maybe me. just his velocity. Well, to you me, you want to see the radar. He's Javier. already paid, though. So the biggest thing to me is, yeah, you're going to have to get more consistency out of him because of the fact that you've already locked him up. But I, the bigger pit, the bigger picture to me is, I'm more concerned that at least one of the guys coming back from injury can come back at a certain point and be effective because now you're a better, your entire starting pitching is better. 
See, the Javier thing, I think Brian's on to something. Like, the, the velo is going to be something I'm looking at, although you kind of work up to that in spring. So, like, if but it's if, two if, ticks if at below, some point in spring he's hitting 95, then yep. I think we're going to see the Javier we hope to see when he got that contract. I'm also curious to see his arsenal. Like, if he's trying to work on a third yes. pitch, I don't care what his ERA is in spring. If he's trying to develop a sinker or if he's trying to develop a changeup to make it like a real third pitch, because right now he's a fastball curveball guy. If he's trying to develop a real third pitch, and that means his ERA is five runs higher than what it would normally be because he's trying to master that skill, I don't care. No, I'm with you on that because I was encouraged by the fact that you know he was working on some things and trying to add to the arsenal. If he's doing that, then that's fantastic. Um, because you've heard it from pitchers for the last several years. Look, spring training is a ch- is a, is a time to experiment and actually get on the field, major league hitting to to decipher if the pitch is going to be good enough. Same thing with Hunter Brown. If Hunter Brown's working on a slow curveball, he's going to be throwing it out there and trying to see how it translates with with hitters in the box. Yep. That you'll find, you'll take your chances knowing that Hunter Brown's still going to be penciled into your starting rotation, and so is Garcia. I would throw I'm sorry, into um, the uh, so is uh, Javier. I would throw into the mix too the the relievers that are fighting for the jobs because the relievers that are fighting for the jobs they're going to have to produce uh, whether it's show their stuff or it's getting guys out. So I would throw them into the mix too because Sousa's got to prove that it wasn't a fluke what he did yeah. at the end of the year, and then Whitley, and then Dylan Coleman, like all all the guys that are fighting for jobs. Those guys have something to prove. Absolutely. Jose Altuve does not. Jose nope. Altuve could go O for the spring, and he's going to be your leadoff man opening day. You yep. Know? So, like, that that's where spring and spring at-bats and spring plate appearances and pitchers and all that come into play. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Which Astros the most to prove in spring this year? Also, look, it's today was the first full squad workout. So, in honor of the first full squad workout, I have an all-time Astros 26-man roster for you guys to pick apart. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. I've been telling you for what seems like years that Gentle Ben is the best. They're on my all-time 26-man roster. They're my all-time one. It all starts with the finest ingredients, classic, time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses a revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you will ever taste. You'll love what's not in Gentle Ben, including VOCs. Those are volatile organic compounds. The Gentle Ben purification process takes those out. It can lead to coughing when you're drinking the other brands. You might find VOCs in the other brands. You will not find it in Gentle Ben. You get all the flavor, none of the burn, whether it's the vodka, the gin, the straight bourbon whiskey, the cask strength bourbon. The next time you head to dinner or your favorite bar, ask for Gentle Ben. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store, whatever one's on your way home, and pick up a bottle or two today. If you're looking for plans, head to the Gentle Ben Tasting Room, a great spot to spend a couple of hours. If you're going to the Rockets game soon or a concert inside the Toyota Center, Ben's Bar. There's a Ben's Bar inside the Toyota Center. You can try some Gentle Ben there, or you can just head online, GentleBen.com, learn about their incredible story, look, look learn about their uh, legacy that continues to this day, or you can just order the, all the spirits straight from the website, the vodka, the gin, the bourbon, the whiskey. You can order it all at GentleBen.com. Go click on it, add it to your cart, have them deliver it straight to your doorstep. Gentle Ben, all of the flavor, none of the burn.